the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm Herschel Finman. We've got a great show for you today. It's Hanukkah this week. Hanukkah begins on December the 18th at sundown. We light our menorahs. We're going to be talking this half hour with famed cookbook author, chef extraordinaire, Lavana Kirschenbaum. We've had her on before talking about various things, of course, the last bunch of years. And we'll be talking about Hanukkah cuisine. In the second half of the show, we're going to be talking about Hanukkah, of course. We've got Hanukkah music scattered throughout the show. We've got a wild Hasidic story all the way at the end. Before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. Israeli fighter jets knocked out a Syrian radar station near the Jordanian border. Arab terrorists fired at an IDF checkpoint and escaped. Shots were fired at a car in the Judean hills. The bullet hit the headdress. That's close. No one was hurt in either incident. An Israeli court ordered three Arabs who attacked a Jewish man in Jerusalem in 2015 to pay three million shekels, about $800,000, in damages. The three served very short prison terms for beating the man with clubs. 44 Turks were arrested in Turkey and charged with spying for the Mossad. The people are accused of following keeping track of known Palestinian leaders living in Turkey. In some good news, the White House announced the establishment of an interagency group to coordinate U.S. government efforts to counter anti-Semitism and Islamophobia and related forms of bias and discrimination. It's like a watchdog organization. And finally, for the first time ever, a Hanukkah menorah was lit during the halftime ceremony at Giant Stadium for the NFL Game of the Week. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the -the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital, the same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. 
Schultzman, you're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have online someone who's been here before, no stranger to the Jewish Hour, chef extraordinaire, cookbook author, former restaurateur, and just all-around knowledgeable person, Lavana Kirschenbaum. How are you today, Lavana? How are you, Rabbi Finman? Thank uh, you so much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure indeed. So we we want to talk about, like everything, Food. There's this old line. There's a joke. This joke is so old now that it's really considered like an old joke. It's like if, if you could boil down every single Jewish holiday into like one point, it would be they tried to oppress us. We were victorious. Let's eat. Yeah. So it seems like everything in Judaism, we call, I call it gastro-Judaism. Why, what's the, what's the deal? Why is it that every holiday you have to have something to eat? You know, there must be a reason, I think, why, particularly with Jews, food is always the common denominator. Food is the ultimate comfort food and the quickest comfort food. It's the quickest way to feel comfort. Uh, so I think you know that our history is very complicated. It it's, uh, <laughs> has a lot of uh, travails, tribulations. The food is guaranteed. If we're going to sit with people, they're here. You're guaranteed that they're here and, and they're not getting harmed. It's that they're eating, they have a pulse, and they're sitting at the table. And I think that we took it to a much more universal level, and it, that's how it stays. That's how it stayed even when we are in time of peace, in time of, you know, prosperity. Food will, will get us together. Interesting. Very, very, very interesting. Okay. So um, th- there's, there's also this thing that uh, traditionally food is sort of like a status symbol for wealth. My grandmother during the Depression, my bubby, so she like prided herself. She would tell me this. This is like in the 1960s that during the Depression, people would come to her house to eat. And it was like her thing. When I was growing up, so you have to understand – I would by my bar mitzvah. I was six foot four and I weighed one hundred and thirty five pounds. And my bubby, oh my, my bubby would look at me and she would cry. She thought I was going to fall over any second. And it was like her goal that she had to make sure that I was healthy. That I was that I was. She, she, her line was, "How are you going to get?" She's not alive. It's not a shame she's not alive to see you go on a diet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> She, her line was, how are you going to get fat if you don't eat? So there's always this thing about uh, was eating. If you walk into her house, you'd say, are you hungry? And she'd say, she would say, are you hungry? And I'd say, no, Bubby. And she said, okay, so take a piece of fruit. It was like, it was, it was always like food was the center of everything. So now, Hanukkah, there's like, there's all these traditions that we have, and a lot of them are, I would assume, are based on what people had. Would you? Because we have a difference. You have like in Morocco, people did one thing, and in Central Europe, people are doing another thing, and in and in Baghdad, they're doing another thing. So, yes. do you know about the development of all these different things? Yes, of course. So we end up making things that we grew up with. An Arab Jew will eat food that is much closer to Arab than to a Polish Jew, etc. An Italian Jew will eat Italian food, which will get him closer to the, his foster con- country, in the country where he lives. <laughs> and this is why when people say Jewish food, to me, who have never seen a bagel or never seen a latke or never seen a, a herring before I came, I say Jewish food is really a misnomer. Jewish food is an amalgam, is this constellation of all these foods that Jews ate that traveled well and that stayed with us uh, culturally and gastronomically. Now, it just so happens that uh, uh, Israel, being such an unbelievable, vibrant melting pot, what dominates that melting pot in terms of food is Sephardi food because Sephardi flavors speak louder, if you know what I mean. It speaks louder. 
a, a huge dash of Hawaiian or a huge dash of turmeric, huge dash of cumin will speak much louder than, I don't know, a dash of, uh, they're so scared. <laughs> I'm so scared of, of putting too much. But now I see, like, we had a very, very open house all our marriage. And I see people came from all cultures. And I say, I hope you don't give it to me. They want to see that food that speaks the most directly, the most vibrantly, that has the most umami. And yeah. uh, that's, <laughs> that's why the attraction is so immediate. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, so you, you, you grew up in, in Morocco, correct? Yes. So what did your mother make for Hanukkah? She didn't make Hanukkah? latkes. She didn't have potatoes, really. Okay. Let me, let me start by giving you, going around your question just for a tiny bit. The big fuss you make here, we make here in America, in, in Israel, in Europe, about Hanukkah, we did not make. Here is the holidays where we made a huge fuss. Forim, Forim, and Tubishvat. Tubishvat that goes all but unnoticed in my house, except for a stinky piece of, uh, what's it called? Carob. Carob. <laughs> St. John bread. Bucks. In our house, it was feast for that. Well, Hanukkah, we didn't do anything. We didn't give Hanukkah presents. We gave Purim presents. I don't, I, I, I'm not sure of the cultural uh, reason, but because I think in Purim was the time where people went and gave gifts of food and gave, you know, Mishloch Manot and all that. So we made it in a huge way. So I have nothing to declare for growing up in Morocco with any specific Hanukkah food. The thing that everybody adores from our Mor- uh, uh, Sephardi food is shpenj. is a very, very spongy uh, donut that uh, we buy at uh, Hanukkah time along with the, that we make on Hanukkah time along with the latkes here. We bought it every day there, every day for two cents. They gave it to you on a little palm tree ribbon and you took it home, and you 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 toted it around, and you took a, a a bite and another bite, and when you uh, rang your bell, you were left just with the ribbon. <laughs> okay, so how much of it was then for a, maybe a, a culture shock for you that you came to America? You get married to a man whose family is from Poland, and comes Hanukkah, and suddenly there's this like big deal. He wants latkes and <laughs> latkes isn't, isn't even a hebrew word it's a yiddish word right right oh no problem if it's a food shock i'll take it <laughs> <laughs> we will make it from make it you know i make lots of i made so many millions of latkes in my life you know i had a catering business uh, uh all my life and uh my commissary uh for many years was literally across the street from my house and the people would follow me. The people that I worked with, I had my commissary inside of a shul, inside of a synagogue, and their lock and key. They were not Jewish, the people who worked with me, and but they knew what time of year it was. And nobody brought lunch and nobody brought dinner from home. You're going to have to laugh because what's the question? And they were just so crazy about them. Uh, you know, there's nothing like uh, latkes that you just pulled out of uh, boiling hot oil and Dip in the sour cream and applesauce. Oh my gosh, real sour, real applesauce, not the nursing home applesauce. <laughs> <laughs> the real one that you make, that you make with real apples in a real strainer. They are wonderful. They are delicious. So those accessories make it even, and then the cool against the hot, it just makes it even more, even more attractive. Uh huh. So our guest today is Lavana Kirshenbaum. We're talking about Hanukkah cuisine. Um, so when you were first married, did you need to go like to your mother-in-law and ask what's, what, how do you do, how are your latkes made? Because everybody of course wants their mother's cooking. So did you have to ask your mother-in-law? My mother-in-law, okay. She had a very short repertoire, very short, but absolutely dazzling. And she did not wait for Hanukkah. Anybody just say the word, ma, can you make latkes? What's the problem? I have four potatoes, I have an onion, I have two eggs, latkes, bingo. And we ate them with her all year round. And yes, it is her latkes that we make. And it was so uncomplicated. 
There was none of that mystifying squeezing and straining. So she just said two things, two words, work fast. Just work fast. <laughs> because if you work fast with potatoes, they don't get a minute. You don't give them a minute to, um, to get the dark, you know, and that objectionable metallic uh, flavor and that gray. That's why I wrote a huge chapter on <coughs> frying, frying latkes, frying schnitzel, all these things about frying but particularly latkes because potatoes oxidate. You just do it fast, don't give them time, and they're the best latkes. Okay, so now to, we're, if you're just, I just said, we're talking to Levana Kirschenbaum, we're talking Hanukkah cuisine. My, my bubby was absolutely the best cook in the entire world. My, my grandmother would make bread and butter, and it was like, wow, this is awesome. I mean, just, that's, yes. right. So her latkes were awful. They were terrible. She, <laughs> there were skinny little things that were fried in peanut oil. And at one point, I think I was like maybe 10 or 11. I, I had to go. We went to my, collectively, all the cousins, all the cousins would come for a latka party. And we collectively, we went to our parents and we said, could Bubby not make latkes this year? Could we do something else? Because it's just like, ugh. What was she doing wrong, and why is it the only latkes that I like are my wife's? Because she makes these. She doesn't make potato uh, latkes. She makes maybe your wife makes my recipe. Maybe she, my wife <laughs> okay. makes. My wife uses parsnips instead of potatoes. Oh, wonderful! Well, you can make latkes with anything. You know, at the other end of the spectrum, I make kimchi latkes. Kimchi. <laughs> kimchi latkes. I just take the kimchi, and I grind it exactly as if I was grinding the zucchini for latkes or parsnips as you said and add the flour the egg everything and just i just did it for a for a demo where i was invited to cook with fermented foods the benefits of probiotic food and it was so good you didn't even know that there was any uh, overtone of, uh, of uh, therapeutic food or you know functional food it was good so i can tell you what your grandma did did wrong she made them very skinny. They absorbed a lot of oil. And it, to make matters worse, her oil was not hot enough. So they would just, they just drank up all that oil and just was a miserable little, not crunchy, not nothing. Uh, you know what I mean? And so that would do it. The oil has to be hot. The skillet should not be crowded. The The potatoes should go into your flour, onion, mix egg, mixture all the way at the end so as never to give them a second to, uh, to the, the hot, the oil has to be already hot, everything has to be ready. Get, get your whole mise en place done. And the potatoes is what comes at the very, very end and then you mix them, boom, 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 with all the egg flour, uh, etc. And you start forming them. Now your 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 oil is already hot. You're not crowding the pot. You're making them a nice uh, um, a, a nice size so that the inside remains pillowy but does cook, and the exterior gets very crusty. And your grandmother's latkes they had no interior. You understand? They were too skinny. They were uh, they should have been all crust except they were not crusty because they were very oily. The very oily also prohibits the formation of a crust. Uh -huh. If my grandmother, the chemist talking. I hear you. If my if my <laughs> if my bubby were alive today, she would be 100 147. So maybe. You know, oh my god. Yeah. So anyway, but <laughs> she passed away a long time. She ago. would be in the Guinness Book of Records. Yes, indeed. But she passed away. When she was 86. <laughs> but anyway, okay. So we have now. So in America, there's this phenomena. Okay, this America is a, is a melting pot, like you say. So, um, and there's when when I talk to people about say Jewish music, so I ask, so what's Jewish music? And I get, well, depends what people are listening to. If you have people that are, I play music of all genres, so if I have uh, I have like jazz Jewish music, and I have symphonic Jewish music, and I have hip hop Jewish music, and I have club Jewish music. So you have the same. So it sounds like you have the same thing going on with food. 
What's, what is Jewish food? Well, it depends. If you are in Hungary, so then it would model the Hungarian cooking. If you're in Italy, it married in If you're living in, it, in Morocco, it's mirrored in Moroccan. So now we come to America, which is the great melting pot. And what seems to happen in America with especially, I don't know, I, since I keep kosher, but there seems to be this like natural fusion of ideas. I mean, some things like, for example, um, cream cheese and lox sushi just doesn't do it for me. But what you're getting that now with latkes also. You're getting all kinds of like like uh, importing other ideas. Would you comment on that, please, and what do you think about that? You know, my, my love for bagels were completely, severely unrequited, so I just had to give it up. Even if I was attracted to it, but I do love the idea of a lox and the cream cheese sandwich so I eat it on baguette, and here is already my modest contribution to this, uh, to the classics, not with bagels. Uh, you know, I, I you, you, you also took the example of music. The food can transcend that difference uh, because you can have two, three, four things uh, combined from all, all imports from all countries and make a very nice combo which you cannot do at any given one time with music. So you can perfectly have a table with a huge, big couscous and uh, and a lox assortment and a sushi and a sushi tray, and nobody will say, what the heck were you thinking? You you mix Morocco with Japan. No, give it to me. That's great. Uh, It works. It really works. When you do something in food that is very eclectic, Eclectic, but real. Authentic, but eclectic. I, you know, I, I, in all these years of catering, I think if I could think of why people would hire me, I mean, except uh, except for the fact that I'm, I was reliable and that they liked the service, is the assurance they had that I was very comfortable executing any uh, uh, cuisine style and authentically, not like a medley. But the real thing, side by side. You know what I mean, right? I understand. Yes, indeed. What about donuts? You know, it seems to be, they're, they're creeping in. I mean, um, about five or six years ago, the Finman kids got together for Hanukkah. And in Detroit, there are four places, maybe five, where you can buy a kosher donut. And every night we had different donuts. And we discussed the uh, the ins and outs and the ups and downs, the pros and cons of, of donuts. This was some serious critiquing going on. So what about donuts? Sylvgani oh, I'm going to try to be nice here. <laughs> I really got to try to be nice. You know? You, you, you're a public speaker, right? You have a radio station. And you know implicitly, implicitly that when you tell a story that has a lot of components, we lose interest. We need to hear the story with very few characters or as, as little as will make the story uh, alive and exciting. And then more, and then this one got in, and that one got in, and we, I'm not listening anymore. And I feel that this is what happens now with donuts. This became a little bit bordering on the obscene. Forgive me. So when donuts were plain, fabulous. When donuts was uh, 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 rolled in sugar, still good. When it had a little dollop of jelly or custard inside, great. Here is when I lose interest. It, you know that I saw uh, I saw donut for thirty thousand. This is not okay. And they <laughs> said, yeah, but yeah, but you know you can share it for people. What do you mean for people? I'm gonna share it with the whole block. It had <laughs> maybe it made maybe had even even okay. And I we took he, he had his eyes on it. My grandson, such a junkie, he's getting better now, but like a sugar addict. When he looked at the donut, when we went into the cafe, his eyes popped out. He was hyperventilating. Donut, donut, donut. Okay, okay, we're going to buy it. We were four people. We're going to share. We shared that monstrosity. It was about a foot high. It had this layer and that layer. Even him, and he will be my litmus test here. He'll be my, even him, spit it out. God, because it's, it abused the theme. It went way 
beyond and above the theme, and you lost me. So now it's not a donut. It's a trend that is getting milked and exploited until you lose the core of why it was there in the first place. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's, it stops being interesting. Interesting is what we always want. Interesting is not just a word that a loving mother tells a plain-looking daughter. With the word that she tells her, do I look beautiful? Oh, yes, darling, you look interesting. But the, that, that, is, that could go much further. We can get a much bigger mileage. To the daughter, we should say that she's beautiful. To everything else, what we want is that it should be interesting, that it should captivate us and have our attention. Once you put a custard and a jelly and and I don't know what a mousse and a and a, and a oh, I, I don't even know the names and I, I just think you're gonna put this in your mouth you're not thinking if you all you wanted me to do with this donut is have it as a centerpiece to remind me of the excesses and the indiscretion of Hanukkah okay I'll put it in the middle in the center of the table and have a plain donut. But to sell them by the dozen, by the hundreds, and tell me that you're catering a, a party for a hundred people and they're all eating this monstrosity, I, I don't, don't come crying to me. If you are, if your stomach hurts or if you gain weight or if you, I don't want to hear it. You did it to yourself. That's uh, the thing. Okay, it's food that was not meant to hurt. It was meant to be, to be good for you. Uh, my daughter does like something called. A cheesecake donut. It's got a piece of cheesecake stuck in the middle of the donut. But now, oh, so, right. okay, so you're, you're segueing into the next thing over here. You, Levana Kirschenbaum, have developed into healthy eating person. You just talked about, before about uh, probiotic latkes. So what's a person supposed to do? How are they supposed to enjoy Hanukkah? Give us some of your ideas how a person can, at the end of the, the Hanukkah celebrations, they're celebrating with their families, and, of course, everybody, if somebody's making it, it tastes good. We're going to pig out, if you pardon the expression. So what do you recommend as okay. healthy alternatives to all of this very unhealthy Hanukkah fare? Which means not just healthy and unhealthy. If you have an excess of components in anything you want to convey, you are, the, the result is you're going to lose interest. We, we the public, must believe that... Simple does not equal boring. That's the thing. Simple is the excitement. Simple is its own reward. So I do have a latka per night. I do. So I have the plain latkas, such a big, big, big favorite with the sour cream or, or Greek yogurt or homemade applesauce. Then I would make a sweet potato latka with, a, with an apple chutney. For instance, and that, that's wonderful because sweet potato and uh, spicy accompaniment is great. Zucchini latkes, apple latkes, okay, uh, ricotta cheese latkes with currants and uh, lemon zest, and it's wonderful. And so each one of them is very simple and tells a very simple but very interesting story. The flavors are preserved, the cultural heritage of each. Uh, and, uh, uh, and its origin is preserved and everything. And then you say, I'm eating a French latke. I'm eating an Italian latke. I'm eating an Indian fritter. I'm eating, and that is to me where the, and it's one by one. It's horizontal. It's not vertical. It's when we want to tell the story vertically that you are just, I get a headache. And I don't want it. Okay, I understand. Okay, so I know I know Lavana Kirschenbaum, and I know that you don't sit still. So, what new and exciting thing are you doing, Lavana? <laughs> you know, I had a call the, a few months ago that made my life uh, that brought a huge breath of fresh air in my life. Uh, this year, I had going to be almost a year. I had a very stupid accident. I slipped on the, in a very uh, slippery floor on a very slick floor in a mall. And I was immobilized for for uh, months. Oh my and then I said, my gosh, the punishment here, I don't know if it's the, the fear of being the, oh, losing mobility, but to me, to be to keep me in a horizontal like this in a bed for months with everybody bringing me coffee or, or, or peeling a, a fruit or something, that was such an indignity. And then as I was starting to get, you know, with after tons of therapy and everything, started to get 
gradually a little more mobile. The thing that really clinched it, clinched the return to normal life is this young, charming young man who called me and said, you know, I'm always following what you do and I know that people flock to your uh, cooking demos and I do group dinners, meetups in restaurants. This time, I want to offer you to escort us to a, a, a tour in Morocco. Now, I don't want to... I was so, so, so excited, even more excited when I met him. He's also a longman, Moroccan, son of, son of Moroccan. His parents still live there. And so me and him, two natives, escorting uh, a, a nice group and showing them not just sites, secular sites, uh, religious sites, and going around in the, in the landmarks in Morocco. But I am also the guest of honor giving cooking demos. And I hesitate to call it a culinary tour because it's not. I don't want people to think, oh, no, I'm not going to Morocco to be buried in a kitchen. Oh, no, 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 you're not. <laughs> we have a bus waiting, it's a luxury bus. When we come back, we have 45 minutes to one hour of, uh, of some show and tell uh, dish that will be part of the uh, uh, dinner they are serving that night. This accommodation, this young man, his name is Mikhail Knappo, and I'll give you the website and everything. The tours he does and the accommodations he picks uh, are beyond, beyond a thrill. So much so that he had five, five couples, five best friends couples that asked him to escort just them and to charge as if it was a bus full. Bustles are on average 50 people. That's how much they wanted this is because this, with the accommodations he has and everything, they, they will never beat by themselves. And he has a guide, and he has the security, and he has it's so amazing. So for me, like after all these years of not having gone to Morocco, and now I go like a, a in a sort of pilgrimage and a, as a guide. I am so thrilled. I can't tell you. Wonderful. Let's have some information about that. That sounds very exciting. So the the website is MoroccoKosherTravel.com. Morocco. Morocco is one R, two C. Morocco. Morocco. All O. MoroccoKosherTravel.com. Morocco that sounds exciting. And for information, 866-FLY-KOSHER. That's an easy one. Yeah, I should say that it's Glad Kosher, O-U. Supervision, everything, the whole nine yards. That's fantastic. And if people want to follow you, how, how are they going to do that? I know you have blogs and you have all kinds of things that you're doing. Lavana, uh, my blog is lavanacooks.com, L E V A N A C O O K S.com. And my Facebook is just my name, Lavana Kirschenbaum. And I answer all questions. I can also help them answer questions with the with this uh, tour. We're going, we have a, a very good tour. They can go from anywhere with any flight, but one is meeting up there and it's Royal Air Maroc, February 19. We leave on February 19, get there on February 20, and return is February 27. And if some people might want to stay a few more days and we also have accommodations for them. They can stay in the same hotel, the same, on a prorated uh, rate. By the way, it's very, very well priced, too. Wonderful. Okay, wonderful. Okay, that's going to do it. Uh, our guest today has been Lavana Kirschenbaum, noted cookbook author, sh world-famous chef, advisor to uh, the, the masses. I want to thank you so much, for uh, Lavana, for coming and sharing so your knowledge happy with Hanukkah. us. Thank you. Happy Hanukkah to you. Love and latkes. To all your beautiful family. Thank you so much. That's awesome. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herschel Feynman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. 
Up next, for your listening pleasure, we've got some Hanukkah music. This is Miss in Black. Miss in Black usually does rap, but this is a hip-hop song. This song is called Victory, as in the victory of the Maccabees. We all know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community. And Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. That's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Here's Shulchan and here, listening to the Jewish Hour. We have up next for your listening pleasure. This is David Friedman. I don't think I've ever played anything. I don't know anything about him. Seeing that he's a new person. And the song is called "The Greatest Gift." I mean, Hanukkahs. You know, people give gifts on Hanukkah. My my kids commented the other day when we were having this WhatsApp chat, and one of them commented to me that, "Oh, Todd, that's what they call me. They call me Todd. Todd didn't give gifts. Todd gave guilt because the idea of gift giving to me is like it's an American thing. It was, you know." 1920s and the made the department stores and all the hoopla and year and all the whole thing about so it's uh, traditionally it's not a jewish thing to give gifts so that's why this song is called the greatest gift i want to let them know the field everybody's window shopping seems like there's no way you're stopping everyone is cleaning out the stores this holiday why don't we just take a moment 
Just a bit of oil was taken And to show that we were not forsaken The menorah burnt eight all night To celebrate his might His might I'm gonna leave my window open Show a token of appreciation To the one above who saved us all Our thanks goes all to him He gave us the greatest gift of all Candles glowing bright Five, six, seven, eight All through the night As they shine it's so, so clear I see a little miracle for me It's yeah, yeah One, two, three, four candles gift because the greatest gift is getting together with people sitting around and watching the Hanukkah candles that's that's really what it's all about Hanukkah season seems to become a favorite for the acapella groups and their uh, parodies so this year no different what we got up next is 613 and this is called I, I suppose you'd call it Elton Hanukkah because it's spelled with a J but it's, it would be Elton Elton Janukkah but the J in Spanish is called is like an H, so it's Elton Elton Hanukkah. So whatever, however you like to do it, this is a <laughs> Hanukkah put to Elton John music. Let's li- listen. Jews already, donuts with jelly, latkes in the pan.
Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital, the same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Hey, Shultzman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. This week they'll be reading the portion of Miketz in the synagogue. It's chapter 40 and following in the book of Exodus. We're going to talk about Hanukkah. Uh, some people might be confused as to why we're talking so much about uh, food uh, in the first half hour of the show. The very basis of the Hanukkah story is, just a brief primer, is that the Greeks tried to assimilate the Jews into their culture. That was their goal. They weren't interested. Greeks were like into philosophy. These were people that were not barbaric. And they were very much into wanting to Jews to, to join them. They recognized that Jews are very smart and they're very cultured and they're very capable. And so they wanted them to be part of their, their society. But there was something that they couldn't really comprehend, and that was the idea of holiness. They believed in gods. I mean, it's talked about Aristotle. Aristotle was already later. He's late to the game. But he himself professed that all those, the Greek myths and whatnot was a bunch of baloney. And deep down, they probably all believed that it was. But they had nothing better to sort of do it. You know, you have like the sun and you have the moon and these are all things like that. And they didn't have like the, the wherewithal. I mean, um, Plato and Socrates and Aristotle were all talking about arche, which means primary, par, primordial matter and a primordial existence, which created the sun and the moon. So they all understood that there was something more than just the forces of nature. But for the average Greek on the street, it, it worked. So the, the idea, though, that something could be made holy, this is the physical world. God's out there somewhere. And they went about systematically trying to get rid of the holiness of Judaism. And so when they went to the when they when the Greeks took over, they didn't knock down the temple. The Romans knocked down the temple. The Romans were into let's get rid of Judaism. Let's just do away with it. Let's turn Judea into Palestine named after the Philistines that had lived there uh, 2,000 years before the Romans occupied it. The Greeks just went in and said, why should this place be any holier than other? I, w- I personally, myself, I will not go into the area where the Temple Mount, where the Temple was. It's knocked down. The building was knocked down. 1900 years ago and changes, 1950 years ago, the, the building was knocked down. I will not go to the spot where the temple was because of the remnant holiness that is there, because I consider myself to be in a state of defilement, that I'm not holy enough, in a state of holiness enough, to go to that spot where the temple was. The Greeks couldn't understand that. The Greeks just said, it's a building, nice building. You know, you got some really cool stuff going on over here. What's the difference? You got a, a sheep or a pig. Well, it's all good stuff, you know, animals, animals. We offer it to God. They couldn't really understand what's the deal with the menorah. Menorah, good symbolism. Light, the light spreading out to the world, and that's really cool. But you insist, you Jews, that the oil come from these sealed bottles that have this wax imperature on them, which with the signet ring of the high priest, indicating that this is holy oil. So what did they do? They didn't, they didn't dump out the oil. 
They didn't spit in the oil. All they did, they, they may have not even opened the oil. All they did was take the seal off. So now there's no guarantee that this oil is holy oil. Come now the Maccabees, and they do this thing. And we give a lot of credence to the Maccabees. You know, Baruch Hashem, we have a holiday of Hanukkah. But the Maccabees kind of got it messed up. They invited the Romans to come in and help with the Greeks, and then the Romans took over. You know, Vini Vidi Vici, we came, we, we saw, we conquered. It's a big mistake over there with the, with the Maccabees, and there was infighting with this one and that one, and there was like, you know, it was, a, it was a big mess, really. But we get the holiday of Hanukkah out of the deal. They went in. They, the, the, the victory that they fought was more like, you know, you had like a standing army doing fa- facing guerrilla warfare. So whereas you had like the Greek soldiers are out in the open and they're riding elephants through the hills of Judea, the, 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 the Maccabees are hiding in the hills and throwing boulders and knocking elephants off mountains. Elephants don't like mountains. You know, elephant is the only animal in the world that can't pick up all four legs at, a, at one time. Doesn't, elephants don't jump. There must be a, somebody's got to write a book. And the title's got to be called Elephants Don't Jump. And it's probably a good thing that elephants don't jump. But elephants don't handle mountains. And the, it was, <laughs> they got beat back. And the Jews went in and they found one jar that the Greeks missed. And we even attribute it and say that, no, the Greeks were very methodical. It's not that they missed it. They didn't miss anything. It's good. God, God made a miracle that this jar appeared with this sign of the high priest on it. And they used this oil, and it was enough to burn for, it was enough for one night, and it burned for eight nights. So all these Hanukkah recipes all deal with oil. And that's why all of the Hanukkah culinary treats that are served around the world, whether they be a latke fried in oil or a donut fried in oil, or if you're coming from Baghdad, a boreka fried in oil. Or if you're coming from Morocco, these shfunz, which they, I can't even say because it's an Arab word with no vowels, which is a, fr- a dough fried in oil. The key there is the word oil because we're commemorating and celebrating that God did this. And as you know, as we say, as Levana said, happy latkes, happy day. Indeed. If you would like to get in touch with me, the best way is to go to my website, rabbifinman.com, and on the contact, right on the homepage is the contact, and uh, we've got all kinds of good things over there. We are at the end of December. We have not paid for November yet. We are trying to pay for November, November December. The, our fiscal year is, I believe, October, so we're not worried about that. So it's not something to do with fiscals. There's nothing when, the, when, it, when we turn over to 2023, nothing changes. Other than the fact that in like by next week, we're going to be in owing Salem Communications three months for this wonderful podcast, which you've listened to for now for 53 minutes. So go to RabbiFinman.com and click on the, the uh, donations page. And if you do it before December 31st, guess what? You get to claim that, that donation on your taxes and it makes your taxes less. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Would you rather pay, I'm not being political, but would you rather pay Uncle Sam or the charity of your choice, which in this case would be the Jewish Hour and all the wonderful organizations which fit under the umbrella that the Jewish or the Jewish Hour is under. So do that today. Don't delay. And uh, if we get it done, listen, it's going to take a while for, you know, to take a big effort on your, your plural part to make it such that maybe in January, if we get it all paid off before December 31st, if we do three months in the next next week or so, that November's almost, almost. But if we do the next, like, see, two months in the next, like, week, then in January, I don't make an appeal. I've never done that. It's been only just a couple of weeks where I haven't made appeals because we meant it, make it. But we've been doing on it. We're coming up to 29 years, and it's only with help like you that we've been able to do it. We're running quickly out of time, so a quick story about Hanukkah. The Sansa Rebbe, Sansa is a city located in, I believe, central Hungary. The Sansa Rebbe, his big thing was Hanukkah. That was like his holiday. You know, so like Lubavitcher Rebbe, his big holiday was, you know, 
If you ask any rabbi what's the most important holiday, they'll say the next one coming up. But the Lubavitcher Rebbe, his big thing was Simchas Torah. It was like evident, like Simchas Torah was the day that he was just like, whoa. So the sons of Rebbe, eight days, Hanukkah. Among Hasidim and among petty people, since it was that the miracle happened with olive oil, so we use an olive oil menorah. I have this menorah. It's got cups on it, and I fill the cups up. I put a wick in it. I light the wick, and voila, bada-bing, bada-boom. The Sanzer had a huge menorah, and he did not want to use uh, oil and wicks for whatever reason. He preferred paraffin candles, and he had these huge paraffin candles, and they would burn for like six hours. And he would light candles, like say you light candles like about five o'clock when it got dark, and he would sit there like me. I would sit there. The the, The minimum amount of time you have to sit at the candles is a half hour. If you want, you could sit for maybe 50 minutes. Is how long they must burn for 50 minutes after it gets dark. These candles would sit there for hours, would burn for hours, and he would sit there with the Hasidim until the last candle went out. That was his thing because of Hanukkah. Yes, the light of Hanukkah. So it once happened that his menorah was a little bit too close. Okay? And he... Um, he said it was, it was a, normally during the year, like the Hanukkah, the menorah would drip and it would leave like traces of this oil-based paraffin on the wall. And he would leave it there. No, a reminder for Hanukkah. And he liked this thing, this idea of a, a reminder for Hanukkah. So what's happened that the walls, because of the intensity, maybe it was like the last day, and there's eight candles, these big candles. The wall got singed. It started, the wall started to catch on fire. You can't put out the candles, but you can put out the wall. And they thought, what's going to happen? So he was very happy because now he had a real tangible reminder of the great miracle of Hanukkah. We're going to step out graciously. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope we had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. We hope to see you back again next week. Take care. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.